and welcome to yet another episode of the Select Characters podcast. We've been away for a while. That's because we've, no, I don't know, we jumped to a different schedule, which is no real schedule. So now we just, <laughs> yeah, New Year. <laughs> yeah, everybody's a bit busy in the personal lives and stuff. So we thought instead of, you know, coming together once a week, we'll just check in with everyone if they can actually get here once a week and we'll pick the day that most people can actually record on and try to record on that day it sounds very non-committal which is which is because it is very (laughs) non-committal um despite our best efforts and despite that plan we are not joined by a full cast of characters here today we are joined by two people uh jamie van lint hello 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 friend how you doing i'm not too bad very good um and enrique cancel hello hey i'm here Yes, yes you are, and you sound as mentally absent as you probably are. <laughs> uh, just a little tired. <laughs> Alright, um, I'll let you settle in for a bit then, so Jamie can tell us about what he has been playing over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, sure. First thing I want to talk about is a game that I bought like two days ago, um, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to get any gameplay out of, so I'm going to get my money's worth by talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> it's a game called Deformers that I got for the PlayStation. It's out, I think it's out on all the consoles and out on PC as well. Right. Um, and it's this really fun, like, combat game where you're just on top of, like, a big platform uh-huh. and you play as, like, just you just play as bollocks, basically. <laughs> Little round, squishy bollocks who roll into each other and try to knock each other off the platform. And you can ram each other, and you can shoot things, and you can pick each other up and throw each other. And there's like deathmatch, team deathmatch. There's a football mode, um, and it is. I got into a game, and it is great fun. Um, mm. Therein lies the problem. I got into one game in the oh. last two days. Oh, the, is that because of the lack of community, or just bad system? Yeah, the, the, I'm the only one playing the game. Like nobody oh, is playing this game. I looked on the uh, Steam reviews and stuff as well. Even on like PC and Xbox, no one's yeah. no one's playing. Yeah, it's on mostly negative based on 48 reviews, which is not yeah. a lot. <laughs> and and all of the reviews say the same thing. They say like yep. it's a good game, but no community, no one's yeah. fucking playing. It's a shame. It looks really cool. It is. It's so much fun, and all of the characters are like really well designed and like really cute. There's like animals. There's like a little round fat cow with tiny little legs that poke out. Or there's like there's a watermelon. A, yeah, there's a meatball, <laughs> which is good fun. <laughs> and it, it's a great game, and it's going to be. There is like a split screen, so it is going to be a lot of fun. Like when you got a bunch of mates coming around to get like drunk or something and play it. So mm-hmm. there is value in it still. But you can't play with bots. You can play with bots, but um, I went into one game with bots, and they all just sat there and didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't find any options to like make them like change their difficulty <laughs> to make them not passive. Because <laughs> I, I thought hmm. it might be like worms, where I can like change the difficulty and give them like medium and hard opponents and stuff. But no, nope, hmm. they just completely they were completely passive. I don't know whether they were supposed to be, even. But... but just there. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a real shame. Uh, yeah, it's a, it is a really fun game though. I I kind of like feel bad for the developers and that they've they've created something really good. Just no one's fucking playing it. If the most recognisable name on on the list of of quotes comes from IGN Spain, you know that there's something <laughs> wrong. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> 
I've never even heard of doyouevengamebro.com, but apparently they liked it. <laughs> it's made by Ready at Dawn as well, which are the guys who... What? Done... That's, that's a well-known name, that. Yeah, they done something, right? One of the God of Wars, maybe? Maybe the prequel God of Wars? Uh, this is the only game they have on Steam right now, so... Huh. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. It's a lot of fun. I was really excited for it as well. But... Hmm. Okay, um, anything else? Uh, yeah, I finally picked up The Last Guardian. I've been meaning to play it for quite a while now, so I finally got around to playing some of that. And mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's really good. Okay. It's exactly what you'd expect. If anyone's played at Eco or Shadow of the Colossus, it's exactly what you'd expect from uh, the same designer and the same studio and stuff. Um, Do you think it lived up to the hype after so many years? Yeah, so far, I'm, I'm not too far into it, but so far I think it's... Um, it's living up to my expectations. My only, like, I have a concern that it hasn't happened so far, and it's just, it's like a completely unfounded concern. But it's one of those sort of games where it looks like it could get really mechanic heavy. But right. I feel like it's the type of game that's best suited to just the base mechanics. So, like, what you start off with is how you play the entire game. Hmm. Uh, a mutual friend of, of mine and Jamie's, he was. He was really positive about that game because apparently the, the dog-cat-fairy thing <laughs> that you, you take with you the entire game, apparently it really does behave like an actual animal. Oh, yeah, it huh. does. It, it's great. It's, it's adorable. That's impressive. So nine years was worth the wait. Yeah, so far. I'll, so I'll far. update everyone once I've finished it. Uh, how far in are you? A uh, few hours. Three, three or four hours in. All right, so you're still in... Well, you should be like halfway or something, right? Because his games aren't all that long, if I recall correctly. Yeah, not usually. There's a bunch of trophies for like completing it in under like 30 hours and then one for completing it in under 15 hours. And I think the lowest one is completing it under five hours. Oh, so I imagine, right. I imagine the playtime is probably somewhere about eight hours for like your first playthrough. Mm -hmm. well, that sounds fair. Mm -hmm. And I also played uh, Snake Pass. Has anyone heard of that? Um, nope. It's a really cool digital platformer where you play as a snake, but it's like the way the snake controls is how a snake should control. So you have to sort of press the right trigger to accelerate. But if you go in a straight line, you don't go fast at all because snakes don't travel in a straight line. You have to wiggle like a snake. Right. <laughs> okay. So the whole gimmick of the game is like getting into the mind of a snake and moving how a snake would have to move <laughs> so like if you want to go up on high places you've got to sort of like coil yourself around and push yourself up that way and you get more speed from wiggling and stuff and i was watching a few interviews with the developers and stuff where they said they like in the development team they created the engine but they don't know what is technically the fastest way to move about so even though they're the ones who have created this engine they don't know how to like get the most out of the gameplay with it so they're like looking forward to the speed runs to see how the speedrunners tackle it right which i think is really cool because like it lets you just explore and experiment and see how you can move around and it gets really difficult like the, there's not much to the controls it's literally just you accelerate with the right stick you, you use the x button to lift your head which you can use to like coil and jump like do a half jump um, and then if you press the left trigger, you like contract all your muscles and squeeze so that if you're wrapped around a post or something, you can like hold on tight to it so you don't fall off. And that's pretty much it. But it gets really tricky really quick. There's like quite a steep learning curve. Right. Is it so, yeah. how, how, how close to Quop 
is it in 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 terms of difficulty? <laughs> no, no, it's it's not one of those gimmicky like I am bread sort of games. It's like <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not Octodad. It's like it's like a genuinely good game. Well, Octodad was genuinely good. That one time I played it with a mate. Oh, that, that, was it? I feel those games are just like like I am bread and Octodad were, were designed for let's players. Yeah, or couch co-op, as, <laughs> as was the case with uh, with Octodad for me. Yeah. And it's great fun if you play it with somebody else. Yeah, whereas this feels like a game that's just... It's just a good game on its own merits. Right, yeah. All right, very good. It, it looks pretty yeah. cool as well. Like, it, it just looks good. I like the art style. Yeah, it's really cute as well, and you can use the uh, face buttons on the controller to change his emotions. Sort of Aww. like Little Big Planet. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Snake. All right, that's it. All right. Yeah. Um, Enrique, I hope you've been properly woken up now. <laughs> yeah. What have you been playing over the past couple of weeks? Um, it's been a while, so I've played a lot of different games, but the two main ones I'll talk about is uh, Crashlands. Right. Which I've it's been on my wish list for a while because it had a really amusing trailer. Um, the trailer reminds me a lot. It's got the same tone as uh, Castle Crashers. Oh, yeah. It's a... Really kind of like in-your-face, absurdist kind of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally I ended up picking it up, and it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I guess it's also a mobile game, so you can tell it has like a lot of that mobile kind of aesthetic built into it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I mean, but it's, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's a, you, you crash down on a planet, like this big talking head destroys your ship and steals your, like I guess like your power core. So you crash down on this planet... You have to survive around. You you know kill enemies. You craft stuff. It's it's really simple in terms of I guess like gameplay wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not nowhere near as like fleshed out as a lot of like the survival games like um, like RimWorld or even right. Well, it's, it's meant for an audience that that yeah. takes their phone out of their pocket for like a couple minutes at a time, right? So you can't really afford to go that in depth with the mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no hunger, there's no, like, thirst or anything like that. Because, I mean, when you, when you see it on its surface, it reminds me kind of a lot of uh, Don't Starve, at least in the words, like, it's a 2D plane, you know, like, you, you, you crash land by yourself, you have to kind of, like, build a little semi-base. I'm like, okay, so it's similar, but it's definitely not. I mean, like, the, the stuff you build is kind of just building crafting tables to build better weapons and armor to harvest better materials, mm-hmm. and you just kind of recycle that over and over again. But it does have some really cool kind of RPG elements where you run into little little NPCs and they give you quests and then the quests unlock like more more parts of the story and more crafting recipes. So it's got a lot to do in it, at least in, like and the story wise. But what's really carrying me through is just the animation, the writing on it. Mm-hmm. It's got a really good sense of humor about itself, so it's it makes it really entertaining. Again, pretty cool art style. Like yeah, cartoon. I mean, like I said, it's 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 goofy, it's cartoony. But the sense of humor and the writing are kind of what's really keeping me afloat. Like, the first area you're in, there's these little, like, fairies that look like potatoes with fly wings. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, it, they're, it's just really hilarious in general. Like, and then the, the design of the enemies is really good, too. Hmm. So I played that. And then I also finally caved and I bought Subnautica because it was on sale during the Steam sale. Uh, so one we play where one team played the divers and the other played the sharks, or is that no? Actually, oh, like confusing no. that with something else entirely. I think oh, wait, that's, that's death. Like, Sorry, death. Yeah, yeah. Subnautica is like an, it's one another survival game, but you crash land on a planet that's only water. Hmm. So you essentially you have to kind of like survive, and your ship I think 
you actually have this massive ship and it's got a pretty good story to it where you know your ship gets shot down and you know you're you wake up on one of your like like the life pods like a little bit away from the ship there's no land near you mm-hmm. and you kind of have to you know repair the little life pod and swim out into the ocean gather materials kind of like build and craft and eventually like get make your way back to your ship and then as you get there it kind of unlocks some story mm-hmm. but so it's got the same mechanics you'd find in a lot of the survival games. You know, you get your hurt, your thirst, your hunger. You have to gather weapons, and well, you have to gather materials to build weapons and all this stuff. But it's all put in context with the story, and I think the story is kind of what really, really brings that game out a lot. So, so is the story already a very big part of the thing you're doing there? Because the game's still in early access, and usually the story stuff comes at the end. So there, there's definitely big like, parts of the story when you're playing like the survival mode. Um, one of the first things you can do is kind of like make a repair tool and then you actually repair the parts of your escape pod that got damaged. Like there's a, a replicator and then there's an actual, I guess like a communications relay. Right. And every now and then like a, a communication relay will pick up like a distress signal from the other pods and then that will fill in little bits and pieces of the story about what's happening. And then it'll like send like an SOS and like a GPS location where in order to get to it, it might be a little bit further away. It might be across a kelp forest that has some more dangerous animals. So you have to, it encourages you to kind of scrounge around and build up like tools for survival in order to like to venture further out and reach those points. Mm-hmm. You pick up like PDAs and some like recordings of like what happened to the crew at that point. That kind of helps like fill in a lot of the story gaps. Right. But now, and, uh, one thing that I love about it is the setting. It's like I said, it's on a planet where it's all water. So everything takes place like swimming in the ocean and, it's, I mean, it's a gorgeous looking game. Just looking at all the sea life and everything, kind of how it behaves so organically. Yeah, and it's really good. It, it, it is triggering it, my thalassophobia. Something. I was about to say, it gives me a little bit of anxiety because there are moments where you swim into like a kelp forest and you see like vast nothingness in front of you, and oh, it's, it's a little bit of anxiety. I'm like, uh, like, uh, this is this is painful, but it's awesome because uh, like I guess like the underwater biomes, like it's everything's so drastically diverse. Mm-hmm. They even have a creative mode where you kind of like, you know, you don't get a health penalty. You can kind of wander wherever you want. So you can explore a bit, which I did that just to see what the game was like. And man, like you go, there's underwater caves with like bioluminescent like fauna. There's like underwater volcano vents. There's all this sorts of like crazy shit. And then the actual creatures you find get even scarier and scarier the deeper you go, which is just something out of like a horror novel. But. If you've ever seen, like, images of, like, some of the fish you find in deep water, I mean, like, you, they're pretty, pretty similar. So oh, it's, yeah, but it's been tricky. doesn't trip. sound fun at all. Like I said, I'm not, like, I like it, it, but it is triggering me a bit because I'm getting that anxiety when I swim to, like, a massive trench and you see nothing but just darkness and the bleak emptiness that is the ocean. It's just, uh. <laughs> But aside from that, I mean, it's definitely one of the better survival games. And considering it's still an early access, man, it's actually pretty flushed out. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big recommendation. Uh, apparently, there's more than enough content in this game to enjoy already. So, yeah, and um, it is VR VR compatible. So I'm kind of I'm debating trying that out as well. Mm. If you're feeling brave, uh, yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, no, this has been the two main ones, and like just picking up like small things. I know Pyre comes out next week, so I'm excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Right. Pyre is the one, uh, it's by the developers for Transistor and, yeah, and Bastion. Bastion. Yeah. So it's, it appeared on my radar a few months ago and like, it, you know, obviously it immediately drew my attention because of like the pedigree that it comes from and the art style and animation, you know, it's really, you know, reminiscent of those guys. But 
I think what set it apart is I, start, I, I talked to a couple of people that I managed to play it at PAX, and the game itself plays like... It's almost like a weird cross between like a fantasy Quidditch, if that makes sense. Right. Because you know, like the trailers don't really show a lot of gameplay, but I guess the game itself is more like Quidditch meets um, like Rocket League. Because the game itself is a, it's almost like a sports game where you have a team of three, and then there's different type of players you have on your team, and the goal is basically you three have to beat play a team of three and then score more goals against them. Right. Like that's the gist of it, but. With it, you know, you do have a lot of, like, there's magic equipment you can kind of throw into the mix. There's different characters where I think the heavier set character... I, every character has this thing called, like, a protection aura. That if a character enters your aura or you enter another character's aura, um, they get knocked down they take a penalty. So there's that kind of into account. But, you know, like, bigger characters have a bigger aura. But at the same time, they're a lot slower. Versus smaller characters that have, you know, like, a, a way, way smaller aura. But they can move a lot, around a lot faster. And you have to kind of navigate the ball between your, between your players in order to score a goal. So there's all this tactics involved. And they add this kind of RPG element where you can equip different talents and abilities and level up different skills for them too. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. It looks like a, like a really interesting take on the whole, like, that sports genre we've been seeing. Yeah. Well, they, they've been doing, you know, sort of fresh takes on, on genres for the past two games now. So it's sort of expected. But, you know, it's still fun to see that you can be surprised by the concepts that they tried to jam into their games. Yeah, right? Yeah, pretty cool. Um, th- there's a game I want to uh, ask you about, because you have been playing the beta for Destiny 2. Yes, I have. Okay, so um, how close to the truth is the statement that it's exactly like Destiny 1? Uh, uh, 50-ish. All right. So, the positives. Um, it still does keep... Like I think I always thought Destiny had really solid gameplay, and that's never been into question for me. Um, yeah. I think Bungie knows how to make a really good shooter, in a sense. So yeah. that aspect of it was fun. Um, the weapons you pick up in the demo are actually really fun. I think you get to pick up like a, a legendary... It's like a chain gun, which is like awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a chain gun. I mean, like the, it, the the hits feel solid. Like The weapons you, you're using actually feel like a lot of fun. Um, you can already tell there's a lot more story to it, even, the, even if it is told more like in voiceovers. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, as you're playing through, you get a lot of communications relay. But they seem to have made it a little bit more cinematic. I think um, there's parts in the game where you're playing where you actually do run into, like, like Cade, for example. You know, he's in the middle of a firefight. You run into him real quick. He kind of shoots off a little bit of exposition that vanishes. And it's all done in gameplay. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's any awkward break until, like, let's show you a quick cutscene. We don't have time to explain why we don't have time to explain and, then, like, finish <laughs> off. It's, I mean, it, it feels really organic. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I get a feeling. I know what's going on. It didn't break me from my gameplay. So I'm, I'm liking the way it's being handled. So, mm. if they can do that for the game, I mean, it's, that's not a bad thing because Destiny, at least for me, was fun in terms of like the gameplay. Oh, I agree. So they can keep more Destiny with that kind of exposition. I'm cool with it. The downside, more Cade, more Cade is always good. Oh, of course, yeah. But one thing that I I'm not a fan of is that they change kind of how the cooldowns work a lot. Mm-hmm. So your super, your abilities, and grenades, um, they seem to have a way longer cooldown now. And I, for me, that kind of killed a lot of the fun on it because part of how, what made Destiny so much fun was that you're basically magical space wizards and space knights. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you do have like your, you know, your really cool futuristic guns that you're using, but I can drop that and I can you know, just punch the shit out of aliens with like lightning fist or I can shoot bulbs of void energy or... I can, you know, do all these really cool abilities. And 
with Destiny 2, they changed the classes around, so you have even more diverse abilities. Like, I used to play a Titan in Destiny 1, which mm-hmm. is kind of like, I guess, what you would call the tank class. With Destiny 2, they made it, they did some rework, so instead of uh, being called a Titan, you're called a Sentinel. And the Sentinel actually has an ability where you can actually put down a shield, like an energy shield, anywhere. So it's not like the bubble. You can actually just drop that right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it has a really cool animation similar to Reinhardt's... Uh, I guess like shield that as it takes more damage, you can actually start seeing it crack. So it's got some really cool graphical updates. Right. But your super actually, you get like a cap. We call it Captain America because it's essentially it's a shield that you get, and you can like throw your shield at enemies. You can use it to just bash at uh, enemies as you're running through. You can mow down entire groups of them. You can actually you know use the shield to defend from attacks. So it feels really hefty and really meaty. It's really great. You're mm-hmm. I mean you're a tank, but you can actually do a lot of damage. But you can only use that. Like every couple of minutes, and yeah. it's and it's really long time between uses. So it's it sucks because they gave you this really cool ability that you're like, oh, this is fucking amazing, and then you can't, you don't see it again. Yeah, because in, in, in the original Destiny, you got like a super every one or two minutes, I think. Max yeah, and like three. you know, you sh- you shoot enemies and they drop those little orbs that you can use to recharge your super faster. So like you know, you yeah. could constantly it kept you engaged because the super was a critical like element in the gameplay itself. And this it just feels like it's a it's a side-off ability that you're allowed to use once in a while, and that's it. And I think that, for me, kind of killed it a bit. Mm. So, so there is that hesitation. I'm hopeful, Hopefully it was done intentionally for the, I don't know, for the beta just to kind of like test some stuff out. And I hope they, they change that cooldown. But the way it is right now, it's, that made it not very fun. Mm. Have you uh, had the opportunity to play as the different classes, or have you just played as the Sentinel? I played the Sentinel and I played the, the I forget what they call the ability now, but the Hunter. The Hunter was actually a lot of fun. Um, a lot more mobility. In Destiny 1. Well, I mean, so I haven't played the Warlock yet, but I played the Hunter. The Hunter itself is pretty fun. Um, I forget what spec I was doing, but it's the one that their ability is you get like a, a bow staff that with energy. And it's so cool the way they let you use it because, and I don't know if they're going to keep doing this for the rest of the game, but the demo has a really cool area where like you kind of walk in and you just fight wave after wave of enemies where you have to kind of hold them off mm-hmm. um, I think like you're holding them off so people can get off the tower and escape pod so you're just fighting wave after wave and it's so much fun because it's you know you're progressing to a level by yourself you get to the courtyard and the tower and, the, and you actually get randomly uh, queued up with two other people mm-hmm. so again it's a really seamless integration so like you walk in there's two people there I'm like alright this is neat and as you're going through it, you're fighting these guys, and this wave of enemies comes by. And with the hunter, for example, you bust out the baton, and you're just like flying through enemy, through like fighting enemy over after enemy, and it makes it seem like really, like, you know, it gives you that power fantasy, which is really great. Yeah, but again, it's, it's been not good at doing done that anyway. often enough. Yeah, it's been good. Like, it's I just really hope they address that those issues because it. It feels like such a fun game to play, but then they—it feels like they're auto, they're just artificially hampering you for some reason. Hmm. Uh, I also heard some, well, mostly negative things about the switch in PvP from six v six to four v four. Yeah, a lot of people weren't fan of it. Um, a part of it has to do with like that whole the ability uh, cooldown, where it just feels like a it you know they're making a generic sh- shooter essentially when it comes to the PvP. Mm-hmm. And I heard I didn't get a chance to play with PvP a lot, but people were complaining about like the four v four kind of format limits it a lot. Mm. But well, oh well. Do you, do you have any like 
hope that they'll do it right this time around because for, for as good as destiny one is now it took a long long time for it to get to that level so do you do you get the feeling that they've got more of a handle on what they want to do with destiny now i think so at least from what i saw story-wise right. um the biggest complaint people have with story or well, with destiny one was the story that if you wanted to get any kind of exposition, you had to, you know, close the game out and go to see a fucking Grimoire card like on their app or <laughs> yeah. on, the, on a website. Yeah. But it seems that they're actually making a conscious effort to give you a little bit more exposition, like in game as you're playing, and not have it be like an awkward break with cutscenes every two seconds. So it seems like they're striking a good balance. So if they can kind of keep that and mirror it, like they did with like the like Halo series, how that would kind of give you story, I'd be happy. Right. Okay, well, um, when's it coming out? It's coming out in a couple of months, right? It is actually. I think September, I believe. Right, that's quite close. So yeah. I, I guess we'll, we'll take this back up with you after the game's been, uh, been out. I might buy it as well, actually, because I, I thought the first one was, was great fun. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, if nothing else, it's, it's a fun shooter, and it's got like, a really fun universe setting to it. All right, cool. Uh, let's hope it's everything people want it to be so we can enjoy you know, the, the great game we all expected when we bought into Destiny 1. Right. <laughs> Without wanting to sound too cynical, right? Yeah, well, I mean, here's hoping. Exactly. What are you snickering about? <laughs> Just, let's hope it's the game that Destiny 1 was supposed to be. <laughs> right. It is a 10 year project, so who knows? Didn't they like drop that a couple months back? Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I don't want, want to speak on something I don't absolutely know anything about. So, uh, let's not. Uh, anything else you've been playing? Nah, I mean that's been pretty much it. What about you? Um, I've been playing some Darkest Dungeon. It's a uh, it's a game I saw around the internet quite often. Yeah, how are you liking really it actually? It. I think it's hilarious. Like it 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 it's it's hard. In every single way imaginable. Uh, I'm also an idiot when it comes to RPGs, so I'm probably making it harder on myself than I absolutely have to. Um, <laughs> but I like the art style and I like the setting and I like the way it's presented to you. This very dour, dark, like grim, dark yeah. even setting, right? With the constant baritone narration and stuff. Uh, the writing is really, really good. Like the things that your your party members say to each other, you know, the, the stuff that corresponds to their current mood and and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that. That makes it, it it makes it a lot more fun, and it instantly humanizes the these characters you'll be looking at for a long, long time because there's only one model per archetype, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great fun. Hard, but. Great fun. I don't know if I'll ever be able to finish it because, you know, as I, as I said, I'm really, really bad at this. Have you been playing it on the Radiant mode? On the what? The Radiant mode? Uh, I don't think I know what that is. So just... Darkest okay, darkest Dungeon, um, when you first start the game out, you can actually pick different modes to play. Oh, right. I think I just went for the default experience. Oh man, okay, yeah, fuck that. Go back and play Radiant. So like, I played Darkest Dungeon like uh, when it came out, I think when it was early access a few years ago, and I replayed it again probably, I think a month ago or so, when they released it, that expansion, mm -hmm. the Court of Blood. But mm -hmm. um, so one of the complaints that I had with the game was that it was kind of punishingly difficult to the point where it punished you for wanting to take a break, essentially. Yeah, well, it punishes you for, for anything but complete success. Yeah, exactly. 
Which which I understand like like part of the game is like hey this isn't supposed to be easy you're supposed to kind of like lose people and have like that risk reward setting which is fine but I think it was a little bit too extreme but so they which is really great about Red Hook Studios because I guess they listened to a lot of the feedback they were getting so they added a, what's called radiant mode mm-hmm. where it takes away a lot of those penal, arbitrary penalties that you would get and it also kind of smooths out the experience a little bit more so you have a little bit more freedom on where you're going and it, it won't just throw you know, 100% at you, like, from the start. Mm-hmm. Which it definitely so, did in my playthrough. Yeah. It, it makes for a more enjoyable experience, I think. Because you still get the same story, you still get the same progression, but it's 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 toned down a little bit. It's a bit fairer towards the yeah. player. Because it seems so totally I'd recommend that now. Yeah, but, I mean, I, dude, I love uh, that game. Um, the art style alone is fantastic. It reminds me of uh, Mike Mignolia. Mignolia is, uh, he's, like, one of the... Uh, Artists and authors for the original Hellboy comics. Right. It's heavily inspired by it because it's got like that same kind of like Lovecraftian, dour like, tone to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm glad you're liking it, man. The game was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the narrator, I, I like him an awful lot. Because you know, <laughs> that guy's performance, it is, it is hammy in all the right places. I love when, when you run into traps, like even something as simple as like stepping on a trap and like the little quote he says, like, Avast, a trap in your eyes. You're like, oh man, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that was, that, there is one for when an enemy lands a critical hit on you. Uh, he says, mortality uh, defined in a single strike or something to that extent, <laughs> which is badass. <laughs> Dude, I know, it, it's, it's so, like you said, it's so hammy, but it, it fits the setting so well. And you're like, oh man, this is great. Yeah, uh, you know, ham is fantastic, not just on bread, but in video games as well, in, in moderation, essentially. And they've, <laughs> they've done it right with Darkest Dungeon, yeah. All right, I will, I will switch the game mode and, and give it another go, because I want to I wanna get through the story, because I'm quite invested. Not because the story is very good, but because I've pumped quite a few hours into that fucking game, and I want to progress, because I want to see what comes <laughs> next. <laughs> One thing that, uh, what do you think about the, the battle, I guess, mechanics with the whole positioning system? Uh, sorry, come again? What do you think? Uh, so there's like that strategy layer with like positioning, depending on what character you have, like what, and what moves they have equipped. Mm-hmm. They actually, they're actually more beneficial depending on where you position them in your party. Like oh, if you're, yeah, yeah, I, d- I did see that, and I, and I do try to keep to that as much as possible. But then you walk into a fight, and it's an ambush, which means that your party gets shuffled, and then I get murder fucked all the way back to town. Yep, so, or you have those fucking abilities that pull your person, you know, positions back and forth, so that God, that fucks everything right? over. It's terrible. <laughs> Feels really bad when that happens. No, but yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, I I'm glad you, somebody else discovered that game because it's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really good so far. I think I kind of want to play it again now that you brought it up again. Well, now is as good a time as any. Well, not now. Just wait until we've done this, and then you can go out and play. <laughs> <Tarkus See? Dungeon. laughs> yeah, and um, I know you mentioned something about like how the models—they're not really like they're really nice, but they're not very different in a sense. You know, like every, there's one one model per class. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I do like that there. You do have a total. I think it's like sixteen classes too. Oh yeah, the, 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 and there's quite a few of them. But you know, it, every class, I guess, is instantly recognizable because it's the exact same image. It's usually just with yeah. you know different colors on the clothing, just to tell them apart a bit. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Which is which is fine by me. It's definitely it's not bad that everything you want to know is instantly recognizable in that game, right? So yeah. Um. 
All right, I've been I've been trying Eve Online again for like the sixth time in the past ten years. <laughs> but the I keep getting for... an email for that game to like, like come back. We've changed. I promise. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they actually did change quite a lot. They changed the uh, the tutorial to actually be pretty pretty heavy on on story and 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 uh, world building and stuff. And by uh, by the end of it, I actually somewhat understood what the hell I was doing. <laughs> Which still, you know, it's just a dip of my toe in in like a vast ocean of stuff I'll never be able to understand, mostly because I've got dyscalculia and numbers make no fucking sense to me whatsoever. So that game will probably stop being fun for me in about a week. But for now, I'm I'm reveling in the hope that I can somewhat understand what the hell's going on with that game. Because all the stories that come out of the EVE community, it's absolutely fantastic and in in a way even unique because everything's player-driven. So I want to be able to contribute to that in in some respects, but before you have to do that, there is quite a lot of time spent grinding and doing, well, basically nothing, flying around mining, flying back to uh, a station, selling it and and doing that at nauseum. But I want to be in it for the cool bits because the cool bits are really, really cool. I know. it's That's one of those games that I love reading about because every time a new story comes out about, like, some intergalactic war that just broke out or a player did you know just was in the wrong place at the wrong time and it cost like 18 billion dollars damage and <laughs> it seems so great yeah. but then you know you get into it and you're like ah this is just so long <laughs> I, yeah. I loved i loved the concept of dust 514 as well but that was another thing that didn't really pan yeah. out all that greatly Unfortunately, yeah. like the concept of that having these two games connected and like happening in real time with each other was like Incredible, and I'd wish to. I want someone to go back to that and like maybe try again, but mm. maybe, maybe the fan base around Eve is, is just not large enough, or, or maybe there's very little carryover in between the uh, spreadsheet heavy MMO and a first person shooter, yeah, and between PC and console gaming. Like, that's a PC ass PC game, yeah, and so I don't <laughs> think many console gamers really know about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, uh, one of my favorite stories, by the way, that came out of Eve is the one story about a guy who started a bank and who actually ran that bank as a legitimate business. People actually trusted him with with their money. He he operated, for all intents and purposes, as a real bank until he decided to just cut and run and take the money. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading I about that. Yeah, like people lost like millions of in, in-game ISK, I think it's called, instead of dollars, but yeah, millions worth of that <laughs> currency. And when people went to complain to CCP, because, you know, they've been bamboozled, all CCP said was, well, y- you got yourself taken, mate. It's not our problem, <laughs> is it? <laughs> That's you gave him your thing. fucking money, mate. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Like, their hands-off approach is... is I love that. As long as you're not cheating or, or or exploiting some bug in the code, all is fair game. If you get fucked by somebody else, that's on you oh, and not on on anybody else. Fucking brutal. It is. Yeah, yeah. And and this has happened uh, quite a lot of the time because all all the stuff that people lose in those like ten to twenty thousand player wars that they fight, everything is actually lost. And if you haven't got it insured, it's, it's gone. Yes, this game's got fucking insurance of your spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like, yeah, for all, all intents and purposes, it's, it's a second job and it has the same monotony as a regular job. But the difference here is it's in space, which makes it awesome. 
<laughs> but once you get over the setting and stuff, it, it's still just a game about min-maxing your profits over the third quarter and stuff. <laughs> You're it's right, though. Like, it sounds like so much fun until you start bringing up stuff like insurance. And then you say, oh. <laughs> well, that's, that's why people in that community say that you should never fly something you can't re- afford to replace. And it's definitely true. <laughs> Well, I've heard stories of like if you're applying to a, I guess, a corporation, which is the equivalent of like guilds, like, I mean, it's like a job application. You have to have like background check and references because that kind of shit is, you know, they take that seriously. Yeah. uh, Corporate espionage is actually a thing. Um, I I can't remember the specifics, but it's a well-known story. You'll you'll just have to Google for that, I guess. But um, there were were two corporations and one of them... um, got one of their members into the other one who worked his way up the ranks in like a year's time or something and became part of the inner circle as one of the bosses and he brought the entire corporation down (laughs) just to screw with them because they were rivals. I think that's amazing. (laughs) I know. It's just the fact that like, and that's, it makes me want to play the game, but you know, like I try every few years, I'll try playing it, and I have to do a mission where like, I have to ship some minerals somewhere, and I just lose interest. Yeah, well, the, the barrier for entry is lower now because it's gone free to play for the most part, and you can do a lot of stuff on a on a free account. And I've not really encountered something that would make it pay to win or anything like that. So if you want, you can just play it without having to pay for it. I give it a shot again. You could do that. Um, all right. The last thing I played, uh, and I was playing that just before we started recording, that's Warhammer Total War, or Total War, Warhammer, one of the two. You know you know which one I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't give it a fair shot a couple months back, played it for like an hour and thought, I don't get this, I want Medieval 2 back. But um, I spoke with a friend of mine yesterday about it, and I thought, you know what, I'll just reinstall it and try it again. And now I've pumped uh, about four hours into it today, and... I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more. I'm starting to get into the setting because when it comes to Warhammer, I'm usually more on the 40k side of things and not so much on, on the fantasy side. But I find that the Total War um, like format works really well with Warhammer, and I'm actually really excited to jump back in and start playing it again in a while. So uh, I don't really have much to say on the game so far because I've only pumped a couple of hours into it. Uh, but I'll probably have more later down the line. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. Okay. Uh, all right, anything else before we move on to talking about the news? No? All right, I'll take your silence as <laughs> my cue, I guess. <laughs> all right, um, it's available by the time of writing this, and it has been available since the uh, 19th of July. But if you own the Doom reboot the 2016 one you can now download the free update 6.66 and that makes all the multiplayer dlc <laughs> free and it adds a new progression system yes <laughs> yeah i thought that that was quite fun like oh you fuckers been building up to this from the start haven't you <laughs> <laughs> but i said they want to do a second update though uh sorry come again so what happens if they want to do a second update hmm well, I think this is meant to be the definitive one. <laughs> <laughs> they have to jump straight to 66.6. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Or they, could, or they could go for 6.67 and call it the Neighbor of the Beast update. <laughs> um, with the release, they uh, uh, released a, a press release saying this. Uh, first, we've retired the Doom Season Pass. I'm making all of the three 
uh, all of the multiplayer DLC content available to all players. There's three multiplayer DLC packs, which include nine of our best maps, three additional guns, three additional playable demons, new equipment, armor sets, and more. And that's on top of the modes and features like bot support that players have been enjoying since uh, late last year. There's a revised progression system. There's a new room system, system which probably means something to you if you play in that game. And there's an enhanced kill notifications because, of course, you want to be notified when you kill something. Um, <laughs> on top of that, all players' multiplayer levels have been reset back to zero, which will probably have angered what? a few people. Uh, but they say, quote, veteran players will have the option to reset their unlock progression and experience the new progression system fresh or retain all of their existing guns, equipment, demons, and customization options that they've acquired or purchased while unlocking some of the new items in the revised progression system. So you don't lose anything per se, they just put your level back to zero so you can grind again, but in a new way. <laughs> so what about the people who bought the season pass then? Um, they got the content first. Is that what so this is now, though? Is that what happens? Like, <laughs> not only are they selling season passes, which is selling someone a promise of content that might be shit, <laughs> that now it's also, okay, you're paying for this season pass as a promise of content that might or might not be any good, but also mm. it's it's you're, like you're paying just to get it a bit early. Uh, it sounds like it, because Dying Light is doing the exact same thing, I think. Like, all DLC is becoming available for free, I think. Like, Jesus. Let me do a quick Google to, to, to fact jack. That, by the way. I mean, I don't want to be the guy who complains about getting free shit, but... Just, maybe, I don't... Because I don't remember them ever mentioning that. Maybe if they said, like, hey guys, this is going to be what we're going to do. Mm. Just Because it kind of feels like they're fucking people over just selling them something that they're going to make three in a couple of months' time. Uh, yeah, uh... I know you. I know you're right, but I don't. <laughs> I don't really mind it because I've I've started to see season passes as legitimate ways of of funding future development, and if if this became a trend, right, that everybody would just get the season pass content for free, like after two years, I'm I'm still fine with that. It just gives you the option of buying into some extra content now, which is you know wait until it comes out. It, you'll be able to play it eventually, so I don't really think it matters all that much. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you know what you're getting into up front. But then again, season passes are a bit of Russian roulette, I guess. Yeah. 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 Uh, by the way, the Dying Light stuff. Um, I've, I've got a press release here as well, and it says almost three years after the original Dying Light was released, about half a million people still play the game every week. In the first months on the market in 2015, the weekly numbers were around 700,000, yada yada, PR speak, PR speak. <laughs> um, original content is already in the works, and our fans can expect to face new challenging enemies, master new gameplay mechanics, solve more harem mysteries, whatever the fuck that is, and even explore <laughs> never-seen-before locations. This translates to 10 pieces of DLC in the first 12 months of our continuous support, available free for all players across all platforms, and continuous support also means more updates, gameplay tweaks, and community events. As we firmly believe in active collaboration between the design team and players, we hope this announcement will encourage our fans to share their thoughts, stories, and ideas about how we can improve their experience even more. And as always, we are all ears. So there you go. Um, Three years after that game uh, got released, they're playing an entire new year full of new content, which is pretty cool. And this is not season pass content either, so this is completely new stuff. That's cool to see, like well, that level good. of commitment. Uh, yeah, but apparently Dying Light is is a pretty big success, especially on PC. So, 
it, it would make sense for them to develop it further. And that could, could be a little bit of a hint that um, they want to keep Dying Light in the forefront of your mind for when they announce an, uh, a, se a sequel at some point this year or next year. So maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't play Dying Light. I tried. I tried. I tried really hard to play Dying Light. You have like that day-night cycle in that game, and during the day, everything's all peachy, right? Because all the zombies are quite calm. They, they, they are the shuffling kind of zombies we all know and love. Uh, but after the sun goes down, uh, they can run, and there's monsters. And right, I'll, I'll end on saying this. I played daytime for about four hours. I played about two minutes of nighttime, deinstalled the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which, which one is that? Is that the one that was Dead Island with parkour? Uh, or am I thinking? So, so, yeah, so that's, Dead Island. That's Dying Light, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. And then like at nighttime, the zombies get like super fucking jacked up on steroids. Yep, and they and they come running after you, and they can see you in the dark and stuff. It's, 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 it's not fun. Wouldn't recommend it, unless you <laughs> like they, that sort of thing. And they do that harrowing screech. Yep. Oh god, yes, that's good terrible. times. Terrible, <laughs> terrible times. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, John Romero has finally revealed who the Doom guy is in the original box art for the original Doom, and it's John Romero. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that solved. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was serious. I was serious here. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta is coming to all platforms in October, and this definitely looks like it's the Star Wars Battlefront that we wanted when Star Wars Battlefront got released last year. <laughs> Uh, more modes, more maps uh, spanning the entire franchise and not just um, the original trilogy. More yeah, heroes. Roger Roger droids. Say what you want about the what the Trade Federation, I think they're called. <laughs> for all their faults, for all their flaws, the Roger Roger robots were not among them. <laughs> I fucking love the Roger Roger droids. That's my favorite. I'm sure throughout the Empire did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and what were the other ones? The ball ones. Like oh, they yeah. roll, they roll around in a ball and I've always <laughs> I've always loved those droids because they're the only thing I've ever seen that looks the exact same in Lego form as they do <laughs> in the actual movie. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah, they were many things, but terrifying they were not. They were more funny. <laughs> but I'm glad we get to play them. <laughs> so I was Battlefront Two. In all seriousness, though, are you in any way excited for this one? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's, that sounded very not real. No, yeah, I am. Actually, I'm pretty excited for it. Like you said, it looks like the game that the first one promised to be, and having all three uh, trilogies, a trilogy of trilogies in the game. That's as a, good. There's a story mode akin to the war stories of Battlefield 1, which, depending on who you ask, were either brilliant or fucking terrible. Yeah, and it isn't... takes place from the perspective of the, uh, the bad guys, right? Yeah, and I was going to say, isn't the writer the same guy that, that penned uh, Spec Ops The Line? Oh. That that could be true. If if that's so, then I'm actually quite optimistic because that that spec up the line story was pretty good. Anyway, let me check. Because uh, I, I think it is. Let me just double, let me use my Google Foo. Yeah, you do that. Um, all right. Um, while you do that, I'll just keep talking about this game. Um, the first mode that you will, will be able to play during the beta is the Galactic Assault on Naboo. It's a forty-player. A uh, map where the droid separatists fight against the Republic clones. Um, there's vehicle combat. So it, it essentially looks like the Battlefield reskin that people actually wanted after they released Star Wars Battlefront last year. <laughs> uh, 
Um, nice. The second game mode is the Starfighter Assault, and they've been remarkably tight-lipped about what this is going to be, although, you know, judging from the title, it probably has something to do with Starfighters and assaulting something. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm legit excited for Star Wars Battlefront 2, though, because it, it looks and sounds as close to the movies as it has it ever been. Yeah. And the second one seems to you know, up the ante a bit and seems to be more of that with more content and more modes and all the other stuff that you need, like a progression system that, that, that are there to make a multiplayer game feel interesting over longer stretches of time. So, yeah. The only thing it's missing is pod racing. Oh, God, I would kill for a remake of the okay, that, racing game. That would be an update. <laughs> that was fantastic. Part of the season pass. <laughs> uh, no, well, no season pass for this one, they said. Oh. Yeah. Better. Oh. Mm. What is EA playing at? It's, I, it, <laughs> They've it created like something, something even a good more game. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But yeah, um, touching back. So yeah, the story is actually written by Walt Williams, who was the original author for Spec Ops The Line. And Mitch Dyer, the he was the old IGN editor, which is weird. Hmm. Which is a good or a bad thing, again, depending on who you ask. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that sounds good. It sounds like they've got at least one person who knows how to write stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's see if they give us a new perspective on the, uh, the Empire or on the Republic, as it were. Um, right, I've got one... More piece of news here, and I'm hoping that you know more about that than I do. But there was a Pokemon Go event where yes. they introduced raids, and apparently <laughs> yes. it was so bad that they're now offering refunds to the 20,000 people in attendance. Yeah, I was How waiting for this. I was that? hoping you were going to mention this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, oh. Does, does it, do any of you actually know something about this? Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> So I don't hate to sound so gleeful over somebody's major fuck-up, but I just want us to all remember this when it comes down to the end-of-year awards for Biggest Dumpster Fire. <laughs> um, so they announced that there's going to be raids, essentially, where a bunch of people, they're going to announce like a time and a place, and then you go there, there's a legendary Pokemon, everyone joins up, you all battle the legendary Pokemon, and then at the end of it, everyone catches the Pokemon, right? Right, and what do they mean by battle? Is it like an actual battle, or is it twen- is it like hundreds of people just f- tapping their fingers on the screen I, for about fifteen I ass- minutes? I assume it's thousands of people standing in a park mashing their screen. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. About to be expected. Um, the problem is that because there were so many people standing in such a small space mashing their screen, the servers couldn't handle it. <laughs> so nobody could connect to the game. Oh, hmm. that, that sounds suspiciously <laughs> like the first two months of that game's life cycle when it came out this year. Yeah, but this time they were all in the same place to experience it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man, what a fuck up! Yeah, so everyone joined up in I think it was like Chicago, some big park in Chicago or something, and nobody could uh, get onto the game. So I yeah. think everyone just stood around for a few hours, and then they were like, uh, yeah, sorry, everyone just go home. This is pointless. Um, <laughs> and as a sorry, they've now they've given uh, the, po- the legendary Pokemon to everyone who attended for free. Oh, <laughs> uh, I found an article on, on TechCrunch about this. Um, <laughs> it doesn't start with this, but it's in, in the second paragraph, and it opens with, the weather turned out fine. Most other things, unfortunately, did not. <laughs> 
As a result, Niantic has just announced that they'll be refunding attendees in addition to crediting them $100 worth of in-game currency or poke coins. Uh, estimates from Niantic leading into the event pinned the crowd at around 15 to 20,000 attendees. Um, the game simply didn't work uh, within minutes of the, f of the first attendees filling into Grand Park. The cell networks got shaky and within 20 minutes of the doors officially opening, every network was down. <laughs> Uh, oh, Jesus. if you could get online, Pokemon Go itself was having issues. Tapping a monster to catch it would result in nothing but an error screen, a particular punch in the gut to many a player who traveled far in hopes of completing the Pokedex, <laughs> as the park was set to spawn some of the game's rarest monsters. You'd tap on an unknown or a Heracross, usually only available in very specific regions and certainly not in the middle of Chicago, and the game would crash. Meanwhile, real-world logi real logistical issues were abound. Hours before the event started, the line stretched around the block, and three hours later, much of the line remained outside. Massive displays meant to show which teams were ruling the in-park gyms were instead just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> when the antics John Hank took the stage, he was greeted by an audience of a few thousand deep, many of them chanting, Fix your game! Or, We can't play! <laughs> Some more aggressive attendees approached the stage to personally share, read, shout their discontent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Who knew Pokemon fans were so, like, so easily angered? <laughs> well, yeah, we th th that sounds so very out of character for the Pokemon fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Nintendo fans as well. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, that, that's a nice segue into the one thing I wanted to discuss, but I forgot to, to write down. Um, speaking of Nintendo, uh, the mobile app for the Switch is out, and apparently it, it, it stops working unless your phone is unlocked and the screen is on. <laughs> is this the one for voice chat? Uh, yeah, which, which could not be built into the system for some reason. Fucking genius. So what Nintendo has actually asked you to do here is download their version of Skype and use that. <laughs> I don't know why Nintendo is just so... Keep, they keep doing these roundabout things that already have a solution. I mean, was it too much to just have regular connection, like you know, every other fucking system? Uh, Nintendo is is the special kid who sits in the back of the class, but who is a savant? He knows a lot about math, but is constantly eating paste. You're basically just saying Nintendo has Aspergers, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, uh, whoever ed whoever is editing that can delete that. <laughs> No, but sure. Like, like Nintendo has some really great ideas once in a while, but then they turn around and fuck it all up by doing something completely just nonsensical, like having a damn, uh, you know, a fucking third party. No, it's not third party, but it's a, it's like a three step multiplayer app that yeah. you need to download that you can't even connect to. Which why can't you just have this part of, as part of your regular infrastructure in your games? Yeah, that, that seems to be you know what you what you it, want. Yeah, that is a lot of hoops to jump through just to get called a faggot by a twelve-year-old. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking at an article on Polygon about this, and it says, "But what can you actually use it for? Right now, not much." <laughs> uh, the app apparently was undergoing maintenance at the writing of this article, uh, and like many Nintendo products, the Switch Online app isn't totally comprehensible on first launch. Oh, it yeah, that doesn't it doesn't look good. Why would you need an extra phone app to communicate with the people you're playing your games with on the console when you can just call them on the console? We we figured this one out. Like, well, not we, but 
other game game console developers figured that one out like 15 years ago. <laughs> Just People build want... it into the fucking machine. People want that second screen experience though, right? <laughs> no. Dude, that's what that is, no? <laughs> Alright, uh, there's a little Q&A here. Um, I have to have the, the app open the whole time. Yep, that's annoying. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, in the game's online lounge menu, players can create a room for a variety of game modes, and once you've done that, you can send a notification to your friends via your phone. Uh, in main, you have to open the app, you have to choose the room you've just been invited to, and, then you, and only then can you invite friends or other Switch Online users, and only after you've joined the room. If they accept, you'll all be in the same lounge together, and then you can <laughs> chat with each other. <laughs> Jesus. It, yeah, that seems like a couple steps too, uh, too many, right? Like, who thinks, no, I who thinks this is a good idea? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who, sound, uh, who signed off on that idea, but it, it seems like they're, they're making it way too complicated. This stuff has been figured out before. It might be good to do what your competitors are doing if what your competitors are doing makes sense and not go for whatever the hell this is. <laughs> <laughs> Or what it will turn into, because they'll keep working on it, obviously. And at this point, I'm I'm interested to see what new features they'll tack on to this in a couple of years. Just give it a while. <sighs> All right. Um, I think I've talked about everything I wanted to talk about. Anything you guys wanted to talk about before we go? No. Nothing? No, All right, again, that. I'll take your silence <laughs> as my cue to move on. Uh, thank you for listening to the Slide Characters Podcast. Uh, you can check out everything, all our social media details, all the websites we're on, where you can listen to this. You can check that in the description down below. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. See you. Bye.